the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. This message is for John, the broadcast beast, Anik. I can't believe you're still going strong on the post show, rocking that pink suit after a Conor McGregor pay-per-view. You're an animal, man. Keep it up. Love it. Oh, man. What's your name? What's your name? Cody knows how to butter me up to start. Thanks, everybody, for chiming in on the voicemail line. Cody's going to tell me what that number is. Great to be with you. I'm still in Las Vegas. And I am hurting for certain today. I don't know that there's any way to uh, to hide that. It's Monday, July 12th, episode 308 of the Anakin Florian podcast. UFC 264 recap style. I got to give my man Ken Flo two hugs inside of 17 minutes in Vegas. What is going on, kid? It looks like you're back home safe and sound. I am, man. I'm glad to see that you cleared out the orgy before the podcast. That's great. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I we, I made a bed for the first time uh, this century, so that was an exciting thing. In between two beds, I'm at the Circa Resort and Casino here, staying out here for UFC Fight Night. I'm not going to pronounce Islam's last name because it's part of our pronunciation of the week, but we have a fight night this weekend. All right, so I turned 43 nine days ago, right? So I get to Circa Resort and Casino, and we have this room, Kenny, the sports book is literally in your hotel room, right? It's called Stadium Swim, I think, right? This oh, is wow. a brand new resort here in Old Vegas, Fremont Street, I believe. And you're looking down at a sports book with all these TVs and the pool party and everything else. But here's the rub the base, uh, uh, right? Till 11 p.m. <laughs> every day. And I'm 43. So that doesn't work. I have a podcast wow. to do as well, right? right? So, long story short, I gave up this amazing room. Literally, you open your goddamn curtains and there's a sports book in your hotel room, right? Wow. We moved across to the other side where the old people stay. And uh, <laughs> but we got clean audio for the podcast. So that's that's priority for you. Um, but it's good to be with everybody. It was a huge weekend, obviously. Um, I went out to dinner last night and a friend of mine decided I needed a fourth drink. And uh, so that's why the voice and uh, the demeanor are a little off today. But we got a lot of stuff to get to. To recap UFC 264, some audio to bring to you uh, coming up in about 20 minutes or so. We'll see if Longo takes the call. Cody, maybe you can remind him. Dude needs a lot of reminders. How about every Monday of your life for the last, you know, 300 weeks? But maybe you can text uh, Ray, Cody, if you'd be so kind. He's, he's not up right now. He's not getting up till like, he's a, he's an 11 a.m., 11.30 guy. Right. Further, I woke, yeah. I woke up 6.15 a.m. Pacific today to make sure that I'd be ready for the podcast. So, uh, oh, yeah. all right. So much to dissect when it comes to this main event between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And I guess the first thing out of my mouth should be a congratulations to Dustin Poirier, who secures his 12th UFC lightweight win, his 20th win overall. Um, And he's 2-1 up in this trilogy. And uh, certainly it doesn't feel good as as the one in January did in many respects. But uh, what were your thoughts on the fight and everything that sort of happened at the end? My man. Well, you know, it, it was interesting. It was kind of, um, 
you know, the first fight uh, somewhat condensed into one round in a lot of ways. It was Connor early. He was landing some good strikes. It was it looked like it was the creative uh, Connor McGregor, the mixed martial artist who was landing shots. But then he got caught into boxing mode a little bit. And as he was landing some shots of his own, Dustin Poirier was hitting some counter shots as he was pursuing him. Um, and I didn't see it going well. Then from there, it seemed like Connor almost to prove a point, wanted to try it again and tried not to get hit, except he got hit again and he got hit again. And then with the takedown, Dustin Poirier seemed to take over, um, landed some beautiful elbows and guard. And, you know, if it's a technical fight, that's going to favor Conor McGregor. If it got dirty, if it got grimy, those are the kind of fights uh, that Dustin Poirier is going to thrive in. And he started to make it that. And that's where the momentum shift really happened. Uh, Connor eventually getting back to his feet. And then, uh, of course, there was the uh, horrific uh, leg break. So, you know, I, I feel like we didn't get a chance to really see it all. Um, you know, that leg break was unfortunate. No one wants to see a fight end that way. So for me, I, I, I this is not a termination to, uh, of the trilogy. You know, I, I, I feel like I need to see it almost again. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was uh, it was a tough one, man. It's hard, right? Because, and you and I are largely aligned on this, and we haven't spoken about this before the show, right? I'm a fan first, and I'm a fan of all these guys. And, uh, you know, on the Conor McGregor side, my biggest disappointment is that he was going to fight again probably in three or four months, right? He wants to be active. He wants to chase further mixed martial arts greatness people. He really does, and the sport is better with him in it. And so uh, I'm sad for him that uh, he's not going to be able to do that, and hopefully he is bullish about the recovery like Chris Weidman and gets back quickly. Um, but my appetite as a sports fan, Kenny, to see the start of round two is like off the charts, right? This is the right. Super Bowl. You wait all year for this fight in a lot of respects. I know it wasn't a title fight, right? But it felt like the Super Bowl. You're two seconds away from the start of round two, and Connor steps back and breaks his leg. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. Dustin Poirier would suggest it's because he checked a kick. And I'm, I'm actually getting sick of talking about lower leg attacks and calf kicks. I really am. But I have no yeah. choice as the driver of this podcast to throw it to you in this way. Um, there can be a price to be paid for the offensive fighter. And uh, I do think we're seeing that. Like when you throw kicks, like I'm not saying that he threw a kick and his, his leg like splintered and then eventually broke. But like there is a price to pay for the offensive fighter. And eventually with this trend, uh, as the offensive fighter gets injured, like Weidman and like Connor, um, then maybe it's going to give some people pause to uh, to start throwing bone on bone. Your thoughts? Yeah, listen, I think that um, this is something that is a bit of an occupational hazard, right? Um, and we, we can't we can't even think about the fight itself, right? Because there's the rounds and rounds and rounds in training camp of that taking place. Now, you could say, hey, you know, these guys have shin guards on this, right. blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Well, sometimes you don't have shin guards on and sometimes it cuts right through the shin guard. So sometimes those things are your legs are weakened before the fight even starts. You have little uh, what what may be uh, micro fractures in the bone already. And then, you know, it, it gets a little bit worse during the fight and then eventually crack. Um, so I don't know exactly what the cause of it is. Um, I, I think there's, you know, some doctors out there that are making certain you know, diagnosis of what could have happened. 
but we really don't know. Um, did it happen during the fight? It's very possible. Did it happen, you know, in training camp? It's very possible. Could have been from, you know, some kind of ankle injury that he had. I don't know. Um, but, and it could very well have been him just stepping wrong and him breaking his leg just right there. So it's tough. It was hard. It was hard to watch that. Um, this has been more and more frequent now in this sport. And, um, I don't know. We've seen a lot of these lately, huh? Um, I, yeah. I, I I don't get it. And for me, um, I, I feel like I wasn't satisfied uh, and, and I need more. Yeah, I uh, I don't have the closure. And again, for people who suggest that Conor McGregor is no longer an elite lightweight, you don't want to hear about a fourth fight between these two guys. And certainly Dustin Poirier has primary business to attend to right now. The undisputed title fight with Charles Oliveira. My expectation uh, my speculation would be that that fight would be in December. I think Dustin has earned some time off. Maybe he would even squeeze it to January, but given the fact that Charles Oliveira won the belt in March, I don't know that they would idle him for the rest of the year, right? Uh, yeah. And I also think the fight game is such, right? You know, that watch Islam, I can't say his last name yet, do something special this weekend. Who knows? He could be fighting for the title. No, it's going to be Dustin and Charles. We're going to get into all of that. We yeah. got Kavanaugh sound obviously coming up in terms of the leg stuff, but I have a few notes, if you can believe that. 10-8 round on two of the three judges' scorecards. Okay, so the best judge of the three, in my humble opinion, that, that was scoring this fight was Sal D'Amato. He had it a 10-9. We are in this era where the language has changed. Judges are, are encouraged by the new language to be more liberal with 10-8 rounds. And, you know, because of that reality, I can sit here and say, like, I guess I'm okay with somebody scoring it at 10-8. That's not a 10-8 round for me, Ken Flo. Conor McGregor got too much done on the feet uh, in an effective striking situation uh, for that to be 10-8. I do think, though, the elbows, right? Uh, and I would also say, too, Conor McGregor, say what you want about the guillotine, but it does count as a submission attempt. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that factor in. Uh, do you think the elbows and the way the round ended were enough to give Dustin a 10-8 under the new scoring language? You know, listen, I, I will I will say that it was close. Um, it was close. Would I have given it a 10-8? Probably not. Um, due to what you were talking about earlier, I thought that Connor was doing very well on the feet. I do think that I would have liked to seen um a stronger positional um, you know, a strong a stronger uh position from Dustin Poirier. If that was in mount, if that was from the back, if he was able to pass guard there and 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 land those shots. I think it would have been a little bit of more of a different story. Some of those landed, some of those didn't. And again, you know, the energy of the crowd, the oohs and ahs, all that plays yeah. a factor. And especially since that kind of happened in the latter part of the round, I think that also plays a factor. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, it was close. I don't have a major problem with it. Right. Would I have scored it a 10-8? Probably not. I, I do think to get to a more to get to an overall place where the scorecards are consistently accurate, you have to kind of encourage this. Uh, yeah. But that's a 10-9 round for me every day of the week. Yeah, and, uh, for me too. And the judge really in the space that I, I trust the most, Sal, had it that way. So uh, so I feel for, pretty good about what I'm watching. In terms of Conor McGregor's grappling defense, uh mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know how many hip escapes you've done in your life. I don't know, like, what you think about his uh, his inability to have any sort of plan B. Uh, what do you have for us on that? 
Yeah, I mean, um, th- there's always work to do on the ground, right? I mean, it's it's such a tough spot, and he was in a tough spot up against the cage there, which could really be um, a lot of your escapes, a lot of your movement, a lot of your submission attacks can be nullified quite well there. I thought Connor did okay there. Um, you know, defensively, I, I would have liked to seen uh, a little bit more uh, when you put your feet on the hips to – be able to bridge a little bit more to get your hips up to give yourself more distance. So those elbows can't be landed like that. Um, I I think that he would have been much better off giving himself a bridge when he did have those feet on the hips. Uh, But Dustin, obviously a a powerful guy. He was holding the head really well. He was posturing up really well. Um, And part of that is because of the good things Dustin was doing. And part of it was some of the things that um, Connor may have ignored. Uh, But, more impressively, John, is that he was eating big elbows, but there was never a point in the face of Conor McGregor where it looked he looked like he wanted to go home. He was in that fight to win it the whole damn time, man. And, you know, um, it, he, he just seemed like he, he was there and he was going to try to fight throughout that whole process. I mean, even with the leg, I mean, how many people, how many people do a post-fight interview with a broken tib fib. How many? I Have know. you heard from anybody? You don't hear from anybody until like a day or two after. Yeah. He's doing a freaking interview in the octagon with a broken tib fib. Let's put that in perspective. He's yelling. He's promoting his next fight with a broken tib fib. Uh, and I'm not trying to turn him into a hero or anything like that, but the amount of toughness and the intensity in that man to – to, to go through that and do that I mean, it is insane, okay? Just to move on a stretcher with a broken tip fib yeah. is probably one of the most painful things any human can go through. It's not it's not fun, I imagine. So he he was there to win that night. It was unfortunate all the way around. And, you know, listen, what you, you could you could talk about what he said in the octagon, all that well, stuff. Right. You know, that's fair. Separate it. Right, that's fair, but you know this guy has he, he's he's been playing the game, and if you don't understand who Conor McGregor is at this point and what he's done, you know to promote himself, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he, he's been the bad guy; he's the ultimate bad guy. That's his role. Uh, know what you're looking at. And he's fighting one of the best fighters that I've ever seen, who has 20 UFC wins against six UFC losses, in Dustin Poirier. Right? Can we at least? compartmentalize that part of the matchup and understand that Conor McGregor, there are plenty of, in my opinion, and I hope that, you know, fellow top 15 lightweights don't get offended by this, but uh, I believe you and I talked about this a little bit. You know, there are plenty of guys in the top 15 of lightweight that Conor can still beat folks. Like I hate to break it to you. And I guess for me, uh, and again, depending on, you know, where you fall on all of this annex, either like a McGregor shill or I'm anti Connor. Right. So like, I'm no longer (laughs) sensitive to anybody's feelings on this, but like people just want to knock this man, you know, maybe because he says things that you don't like and he brings family into it. He talks about a fatality in the octagon. I'm talking about Connor McGregor, the fighter. And so is Kenny. Right. And if you don't have respect for the toughness to stick around to do the interview, the way he stuck around on fight Island to face the music, you know, this man wants to fight. This man made a $500,000 philanthropic effort towards Dustin. And I don't know the inner workings of why there was a little gap in the payment or whatever the fuck, you know, Dustin shows uh, to potentially jump the gun in Connor's mind. And that added sort of a personal layer to this rivalry. And you can see Connor is legitimately mad at this man. Um, I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, you know, to say that, to disrespect Connor and his skills at this point, um, I think is disrespectful to Dustin Poirier as well. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, you look at what he's done in his career and, and how he has changed himself and transformed himself into the fighter he is today. You know, people who love to talk about sports, um, you know, kind of make this ultimatum a lot of times. And they basically, um, you know, have this obituary for people's careers all the time. Uh, They said, well, this guy lost in this fashion to this guy he's done, or he'll never make it, or, you know, he'll never have a good guard or he'll never have good stand up or whatever it is. And you see how many, how many times we've seen these turnarounds, Charles Oliveira, I mean, how many times we saw Charles, he was weak on the feet. He couldn't take a shot. All you do, you attack his body. He's got no heart. Look at where he is now. Yeah. Look at what Gilbert, look what, look what Gilbert Burns did as he turned around from Kamaru Usman to take on Wonder Boy and what he did. Someone that something that no one has really done ever in that fashion. So careers get turned around all the time um, and people forget that. Um, So, Again, I, I think that um, th- there's a lot that Conor McGregor can do to come back and look stronger and get stronger. The problem is a broken tip fib is going to take a long time to recover from right. physically and quite possibly mentally. But if, if there's a guy who could do it, it it's Conor McGregor. You know. All right, I've been taking notes here fur- furiously. One good point from Cody. The 10-8 score could have been... Uh, because the judges thought it was a knockdown at the end of the round. Because for me, as a play-by-play announcer, I'm wondering what's going on, right? I was like, I thought they both missed, but yeah. was that a knockdown, right? So, But the judges obviously don't face the music really very often to tell you uh, why they scored around the way they did. Uh, John Cavanaugh also said they trained that guillotine from the standing position, but the going to the ground was not part of the, uh, that was a close, by the way, that was a really close high elbow guillotine at one point, extremely close for Connor. He almost, he almost wrapped that up. Yeah. So for, for those that suggest it was some grave error, you know, maybe he held onto it a little bit too long, Ken Flo, but, uh, but you thought, right. It was, it was a wise to go for it. And again, our statisticians, right? Like, they don't give out like a submission attempt very freely. Like it has to be a legitimate submission attempt, which that most certainly was. Um, A lot of people use the word durability when they were handicapping this matchup between Dustin and Connor. And I just wanted to acknowledge everyone, because again, that's part of the part of the process here, right? That Dustin is a really durable, durable guy. Dustin's big fight experience right now is such that best of luck, like trying to phase him mentally in any way, shape or form. You know, like, yeah, especially and, now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to get to the Charles Oliveira matchup, but part of my yeah. handicap would be like Dustin is going to walk out there and his heart's just going to be like Ken Flo, just rest in heart. Like, is this all people, you know, would you guys like to fucking boo me tonight? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. So in terms of uh, the durability real quick, and I've told this Jim Miller story before, and I'm not going to go long on this. Right. But like yeah. Jim Miller was one of the first guys to throw low kicks. I believe he threw one in the Nate Diaz fight. And he was in pain in his shin, knee, and lower leg as the offensive fighter for like three years. And so in ensuing fights, when he wasn't going to that weapon, you know, some people maybe in his camp or I guess not in his camp, but fans or pundits wondering, man, why is Jim Miller abandoning that weapon? It's like, because he threw it and he's been in fucking pain for three years. So I'm just very curious to see how the trend goes. And I just wanted to uh, bring that up as well. So in terms of... uh. 
in terms of Poirier and Charles Oliveira, I mean, who knows what the timeline actually is going to be. I don't have a betting line. Um, I'd assume Dustin might be, might be a slight favorite, but uh, if it was any more than minus 140, I, I would be surprised. Uh, maybe I'm off on that. Um, Michael Bisping thinks Dustin Poirier would win that fight. What do you think? Jeez. Um, you know, Charles Oliveira is a very dangerous guy, but I don't think he's ready for the kind of dirty, grimy fight that Dustin Poirier brings into the octagon. Uh, right. Because, again, you look at Charles Oliveira. He seems like he, he's certainly the, the more technical guy on the ground. He might be more technical on the feet. What does that mean in my mind? Uh, a guy who throws strikes properly. Um, you know, he doesn't just trade with you. He tries to, you know, hit and not get hit, stick and move. Um, but Dustin Poirier doesn't really allow people to have that style of fight. He's going to get in your face. He's going to land shots. And once he figures you out and gets warmed up, he's not there to win. He's there to beat you up. Um, and, and yeah. Dustin Poirier does that extremely well. And he makes it a battle of wills. He makes it a battle of whose heart is bigger and how hard and how fast you can go. Um, and he kind of makes it this race where you have to keep up with him. And if you don't either get your ass kicked or you're so exhausted that then he takes your soul. So, um, Dustin has turned into, uh, one of the nastiest fighters out there, man. It, it's really impressive to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I would have him as the favorite heading into that as well, man. That, that would be my pick, man. You're on fire today. I mean, is this just you like being a good friend trying to lift me up? I got my workout in at 7 a.m. today, kid. I'm yeah, awake I mean, today, dude, finally. Tell, yeah. You are absolutely smoking. <laughs> uh, Dustin Poirier, minus 158. Charlie Olives, plus 130. So, uh, yeah, an odds maker I am not. All right. We have some audio to get to. And, of course, Ray Longo is coming up in about seven minutes or so. Let us get to a new segment we like to call Stiff Bottom Lip. All right, time for a new segment of the program. It is called Stiff Bottom Lip. It is brought to you by Candidip CBD, a discreet and all-natural alternative to chewing tobacco. And they have a great promotion going on on their social media. 20 cans, a Candidips hat. What a great name for a company, Candidips. You also get an Anakin Florian podcast T-shirt. Details to be released on social media channels at Anakin Florian Pod and at Canadips throughout the week. We're giving away stuff, folks, with our friends at Canadips. And Ken Flo likes his product. He got it in the mail. I'm still in Vegas. Mine's waiting for me. So I'm hoping when I get home, Hunter, my little boy, has a little Canadip in his. Uh, in his little <laughs> All right. So we have some audio for you. <clears throat> Clear my throat on the air. How rude! The audio files are like really, bro. All right, so John Kavanaugh did an interview, uh, Wimp to Warrior interview with Laura Sanko, can be accessed on Sanko's social media. I first want to hear John Kavanaugh on the ankle injury, its potential surfacing in training camp, and uh, and the x-rays that uh, that Connor got prior to UFC 264. A little bit of that, that ankle injury had been aggravated during the, during the camp with we, we... Uh, we've gotten a scan on it. Did that have a small part to play in, in weakening it? I don't know. There there might have been something in there. It would seem unusual that, you know, young, healthy, fit man could wrap elbow. his foot around yeah. an elbow 
And um, without there have been something there before, um, but you know, we, we you can you can sort of play those guessing games all day long. All right. So here's the thing, right? Like, so John Cavanaugh, really nice guy, friend of Kenny Florian. Okay. So but he says, I don't know, right? Like he lays it out and he says, maybe this is a factor. I don't really know. And fight game is what it is. Right. And people say, oh, he's making excuses or, oh, Anakin Florian fucking playing the John Cavanaugh audio, like making excuses. It's like, no, no, just uh, playing the audio, you know, um, just let you know, like maybe he doesn't really know, but people will write a yeah. headline and sensationalize the man's comments. Um, but in terms of uh, the check or not and the break, uh, let's hear from John on, on the kick technique uh, as a potential reason for uh, what transpired. We had, um, we had worked on that being a, a, a spear motion, a horizontal spear motion with the foot rather than, a, rather than like that kind of karate style yeah. flick, flick from the knee. He knows both techniques very well. Um, I, I just think maybe in the heat of the moment, it was the, the flick come out rather than the stab. And uh, unfortunately, he hit that hit that elbow. But you know, credit to Dustin. Yeah, Dustin pointed at one point. We showed it on the pay per view. I know, Kenny. Obviously, you were in Vegas, but uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you make? Was there a check here? I mean, I don't know. You know, um, I, I need to go back and watch it to be honest. Um, to, to really give an educated opinion on it. I don't quite remember. I remember the point. I don't remember exactly what happened uh, during that exchange. Um, but um, it, it's very possible, dude. Again, you know, you, when you're fighting, you're hitting some of the hardest parts of the body as well. Um, and uh, as a fighter, you hope that you're able to block with some of the hardest parts of your body. Um, you know, these things happen. Uh, you know, Ryan Hall, it was funny. A lot of people were saying, oh, it, it, he, why didn't he punch? It seemed like he didn't throw a punch. His first, one of his first punches, he landed. He broke his hand. So his ha- his hand is completely indented. Uh, he wow. broke his hand. Wow. Um, and, and one of the punches that he landed on. And you punch, you know, the top of the head, which is one of the hardest parts of the body, you yeah. can break. You, yeah. you kick here, you can either break your own chin or you could break you know, their arm, you kick yeah. just below the knee and you'll have a broken tib fib. You kick yeah. a little bit lower. You could smash someone's yeah. calf. So it's like, we're talking yeah. about millimeters. We're talking about inches here in the fucking yeah. Well, one guy who's tib fib, you just can't smash. It's now time for the Ray Longo minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There he is. That's what we call a transition. There, John. I got pink too. Look at that. Yeah, dude. Did he look that? Kenny, did he look dapper? He did. He did. He looked looked like quite the pimp, I have to say. Yeah, no, I thought it was more like an accountant for the village people, but (laughs) what a good looking guy. I'll tell you, I don't know if you got Ken Flo looks, buddy, but you're you're, you're, you're a handsome. You're a handsome devil. You, we will Not say today. that. I look like I got punched in the face after my uh, recreational <laughs> activities last night. Ray, uh, so you like the pink suit. You like the pink suit. I like it, yeah. Man, was that pink suit a hit. Thanks to my guy, Mark Russell, Boca Raton, Florida, right around the corner from me. Gilbert Durino, uh Burns made the connection. But so I just have to say, right, um, The the so the guy's going to make me a suit. So he shows me all these fabrics, you know. 
and I'm not as tan as Ray Longo. I mean, look how good this guy looks. <laughs> in the sand, right? But I saw this pink fabric and I was like, I know in my, in my head that a play-by-play announcer is not supposed to go on television wearing a pink suit, right? Because it's not about us, right? Like, we stay right. in our lane. Oh, I see what you're grappling, you know what I mean? So I said to the guy, I was like, I really like this pink, but for a play-by-play announcer probably uh, probably shouldn't be uh, wearing a pink suit. But we went with it, and, and obviously it was a big show. Well, and, uh, you'll never see me in it again, but thanks. Because I said to somebody, what about the Connor fight? And the guy's Connor fight. Because did you see Annex suit? <laughs> I think you might be up to something, man. You took away from you took away from the fight a little bit. I mean, See, oh, everybody no. stopped, couldn't stop talking, Kenny. This is, I couldn't even talk about a fight. It's classic Anik right there. It really just, is. Always, yeah. Now, look, he's entering the building now. Here he comes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Making it about him. I thought the, I thought the spotlight – Yeah, people didn't see this, but I thought the spotlight when Anik walked toward the octagon to start working was a little much. It was just yeah. a little yeah. – I don't know. I know. Hey. You know, because I think it went down like this with his with his tailor. He's like, you know, those moments when somebody gets knocked out and we all look for where <laughs> the camera is. I'll look so freaking good. I could outdo <laughs> Joe Rogan. If you just put me in a pink suit, I can outdo it. Yeah. No one will even look at Rogan. They'll just look at the suit. You got me. You got me. He's giving it to you today, John. You got me right in the liver, right? Because the reason a play-by-play announcer doesn't wear a pink suit is because you don't want to fucking take attention away from the athletes or whatever else, you know? But it's like I'm walking out to the arena and – UFC social, give me a cell phone to like film as I'm blogging. You know, I'm just doing my job, you know, just doing whatever I'm told. But uh, no, it was fun. And um, and I thank them for that. Well, and thank one them. last thing. It was such yeah, a good yeah. suit. I, I forget what Bruce Buffer was even wearing, by the way. I don't even know what he was yeah. wearing. Oh, no. He had a regular black tux. I don't know. What was it? No, I'm not, listen, I'm not joking. Was he there? I'm not. Uh, this yeah, this one, this is the first non joke. Listen, this is the first, <laughs> this is the first non joke. I have no idea what Buffer was wearing. Kenny brings up a good point. Not only don't I, not only did I not know what he was wearing, I didn't even know if he was the announcer. And I'm not kidding. It could have been Martinez. This yeah. guy. Yeah. Now nah, that's Kenny. You really didn't Kenny. Good point. No clue. I'm telling you. I don't even know who the announcer was. Let's go, Buff. Hey, look don't at him. Don't even know. Sorry, we, Buff. We, we love yeah, you we, though. When you were in the gym, did you uh, run on the treadmill in the suit? I did not. I did. <laughs> right, I did so not. Somebody, somebody told me they saw you in the gym and I, you still yeah. had the suit on. I don't know yeah. if that was. Yeah, I did not. Go on tonight, but. <laughs> I got to say, though, right, uh, and you made me just think of being on the treadmill. Some of the best things that we get for the walkouts or for the locker room shots, right, are just nuggets you get in conversation. And I ran into Pahumpa. Uh, Marco Stamata, longtime jujitsu coach, American top team. He'll be in Tiago Moises' corner this weekend. And um, <clears throat> we were just talking about the fight and his pupil from Kazakhstan, Jalga Zhumagulov. And he says to me, he's like, there are two athletes in all of Kazakhstan that the people will stay up all night to watch compete. Canelo Alvarez and Jalga Shumagulov. Like, he's a huge wow. deal. And that nugget, right, ended up being something that really wow. Crazy, I'm just, I thought it was interesting you brought up the treadmill, made me think of it, but great to see your fucking ass, Ray Longo, on a Monday morning. <laughs> it's 6 a.m. Pacific. I am here in Las Vegas for another week. Um, and 
we have, you know, we have 30 minutes with you, which is very exciting. Uh, we've talked a lot about Dustin and Connor. Um, I'm dying to get your thoughts on this because I think you will provide some dissension, I think, on some of these different situations because Kenny and I, I think, agree too much today for the sake of the show. Uh, what were your thoughts on Poirier McGregor 3 as long as it lasts? Uh, well, I, you know, look. Exciting first round, right? I mean, it was great. They 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 delivered. Uh, unfortunately, it ended the way it did. But uh, I mean, we saw Connor's adjustments. He went from a boxing based uh, stance to more of the kicking stance. Uh, threw a lot of kicks, but you know, that was it. You know, same old thing. I think the first time he got hit by Dustin a couple of times, three or four punches, he went right to the clinch. And then he, you know, you know, I don't know, you know, for a guy that was bashing submissions that they don't even count as wins and he went for one himself. Uh, but I think he. Uh, funny. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't think of that. That's pretty funny. No, if you think about it, right, he doesn't even he doesn't even count as a right. loss. It's a submission. Then he went for one, uh, you know, against the jujitsu <laughs> guy. So. People could take that for whatever it's worth, but uh, I think we saw what his adjustments were, but they did, just were not going to be enough for that night. And I, I do like, you know, uh, you know, obviously he was a very gracious loser, so that that's good for him. I mean, huh. dude, what do you got to – seriously, are you guys up? Are you guys even awake no, at this point? It took me a little delay. <laughs> I mean, have we ever I... seen a more gracious loser? I mean, the guy's, the guy's growing as a human being. Come on, give him a break. Right. He said well, he was going to kill everybody in his family while he was laying on the floor. Listen, Connor's a tough bastard. Though. I will say this. For breaking <laughs> your fibula and your tibula, that son of a bitch went out on a stretcher. He's crazy. Screaming. He's nuts. He's, he's, yeah. he's definitely play, nuts. So attitude-wise, he was bad. For a second. Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, Kenny, I honestly want your thoughts on this, okay? Yeah. Connor agrees to give Dustin's foundation $500,000. And when he doesn't do it with the immediacy that Dustin wants, Dustin calls him out publicly for not coming through with the money. Okay. <clears throat> How would you feel about that? Right? Like, do you really think that Connor McGregor, with all due respect, do you really think Connor was not going to pay the $500,000? You really think after all that, that he was not going to pay the $500,000. So I understand everybody's banging on Connor and I didn't like the way he handled himself in a lot of the situations this weekend, you know, but like he was really hurt by that. And there's a personal layer to this rivalry uh, that didn't exist going into that second fight. So like, that's the other side of it. That's why Connor is so venomous. And uh, you know, yeah. Like don't bring the wife into it. Don't talk about a guy dying in the octagon, I guess. But like, Dustin committed the ultimate sin as far as Conor McGregor is concerned. And I think people just don't want to look at Conor's POV. Yeah. Can I take that first? I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'll, I'll agree with Conor, right? Uh, me, me personally, if that happened to me, I'd be, I would be upset. Right. But in this fucking day and age with fucking social media, I don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. But if you're talking about an older guy, like back, yeah, that getting called out publicly would suck. You know, if the check didn't come quick enough. Yeah. I, I, but I think in today's day and age, this is what these fucking knuckleheads do. That's the way they communicate is social media. So what's public, John? I don't even know what's public anymore. I mean, well, what was he supposed to get call him on the telephone? I mean, am I guess crazy? he could do that. Text them. Yeah. And listen, I, I think that we, we have to we also have to understand that, you know, We've been watching Conor McGregor for a few years now, right? We 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 know what he's about. We we know his uh, penchant for for 
promoting fights and for basically saying anything at any time to do whatever. Um, and he's willing to go there. He's willing to say things to others. But, you know, we've seen it before. You know, Mike Tyson, you know, he's, I'm going to eat your children, blah, blah, blah. You know, these are things that get people fired up. It pulls, you know, at your heartstrings or it, it, it grosses you out or, you know, you want to see the guy lose so bad. I will say this, just, you know, watching Conor McGregor, whether you hate him or love him, you're a fan, you're in between, you know, there's no more excitement in the octagon than when Connor's fighting. It, it's just, that's just a fact. I, I'm sitting there as a fan and, you know, I'm sitting down and, um, you know, watching the fights here and immediately there's just a different energy anytime he competes because of all the things that he says. And again, is it the best look for kids who are coming up who want to be a mixed martial arts? No, but you know, that that's just who he is. We we all know what Connor's about as far as his ability to promote a fight. He's gonna say and do whatever. Um, and I just kind of see it as I, I laugh it off because I, I don't see yeah. it as legit. I think he's just playing the game. But oh, I don't know about that. I think he's I well, look, I've grown to really like Connor McGregor. I really have. Uh, you know, I picked him to win the last fight. Uh, you know, I I love some of the things he does. I thought I just was uh you know, you know what it kind of stinks is that Dustin really is. It looks like a really nice kid, you know. Yes. And when you're really attacking a guy that I, I like again, I don't know either of them. So, but it looks like you're attacking a guy that really is trying to do the right thing, and that's where it gets a little weird. I mean, I don't, I don't think he has to do much to promote a fight. So, you know, because again, even at the end, well, oh, he did. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, apologize for jumping the gun so to speak, on the donation, right? So people could counter me with that. So, right, yeah. like, and he did it even in his post-fight interview, Poirier, uh, expressed class and gratitude again, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How long was it How long was it before he didn't receive the check? Do we know that? Well, it, I, it, it, I, I think Poirier even regrets that going public. That was sort of my read on the situation. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that I think that really struck a nerve with Connor. That's not the only reason why he ratcheted up the trash talk, but uh, I don't know, man. Like I didn't come on here today wanting to be a Connor McGregor apologist, but I have ESPN colleagues on the boxing side who I respect very much who are coming on television and essentially denigrating McGregor's whole body of work. You know, go talk to Demetrius fucking Johnson. And ask him how good he thinks Con McGregor is in terms of distance management and striking ability. Or ask Kenny fucking Florian, you know? So, like, for me, it's just, I'm just getting tired of just all the, the bashing the athlete. Like, I support the whole roster in terms of the athlete. And I don't know. Uh, I just think there are a lot of lazy, tired narratives. But uh, all credit to... Uh, to 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 Dustin Poirier, Ray, man, what the fuck are we gonna do about all these guys uh, breaking their legs in the octagon? I mean, what yeah, are your I tell you, on all this shit? I don't know. I think we need a milk sponsorship for the UFC, right? right? I think we got to get some calcium in those bones. No, I don't know, Kenny. I heard Kenny before I got on. It 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 is. You know, we go from knee pads, you know, two weeks before elbow pads. So nobody catches. Uh, I mean, we try. I'm not saying we do, but it's always been talked about elbow pads. How many insteps have we seen broken on an elbow? You catch an elbow. Look, it, look this is the sport, man. There's no there's no shin pads. There's no equipment. It's uh, the gloves are little. Uh, there's not much padding, even though there's a, a, a decent amount of padding. But yeah, if you're uh, if you're off a little bit, or 
I don't know. Uh, it, that's going to be. Uh, I, I think we're seeing a cluster here, uh, but I think it'll, you know, disappear and then we'll go back to it again. But I hope it doesn't continue because, you know, even that break was hard to look at when he went back. You know, I mean, that was another. Bro, what did he break? Two bones. Yeah. Well, not, yeah, yeah so. as uh, the the Florian medical family would do. Yeah, listen, you got to go more for accuracy and lay, lay off the power maybe a little bit until you know right where, exactly where you're hitting. But I think sometimes in the heat of the moment or you're fighting angry, you're just throwing and Chris whatever Weidman happens, happens, that, and you'll deal with it after. Chris right? threw that. Chris Weidman threw that kick at Uriah Hall as if he was literally trying to save one of his kids. There is no question yeah. about that. Yeah, there is no question about that. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. When that kick went, Kenny, I go, man, he buried that kick. Like, in my mind, I go, wow. Right, right. You know, I, yeah. And then that was it. That's the last I remember in my brain was like, wow. he, You know, because Weidman, he fucking kicks like a mule. I'm telling yeah. you, that when he was coming up, there were a lot of guys laying in that octagon that couldn't get up. He would he would bury legs, and then he got away from it a little bit. No, yeah, nobody. Let's look. The best thing about Weidman was what Anthony Smith said. I'm telling you, because that's that's the way I feel. Like, and people, you know, when they're listening to me talk, they think I'm crazy. But he kind of said, "I can't believe this guy even has a loss." That's how good he was, and that was that was you know five months ago. He said that, so I know what the guy can do. Sometimes it doesn't take play, you know. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the octagon, but he, uh, you know, I don't know that that <laughs> night everything was looking good, and you know, it's the old saying: sometimes you do everything right, and everything goes wrong, type of thing. But uh, I agree with you, John. He he buried that kick, and I was like, for me, I was like, this is going to be great. He's gonna, you know, and then that was it, you know. There's a reason why, you know, um, in American kickboxing. Um, they, they they wouldn't allow you to kick to the leg. It would have to be, you know, it was always like upstairs or to the body. There was like no leg on leg kicking. And, and a lot of the American kickboxing organizations, especially coming up in the seventies, eighties, nineties, all the way through the influence came really more from, from Thailand. And then they started integrating it and started kicking the leg again. But I remember when I first started training and Ray would know this very well, um, I was kicking a dang heavy bag and my legs were probably bruised. Like literally my shins were probably bruised for two years straight. And that's not an exaggeration. They hurt every day. It's just, See? that's what you're doing. It's just, it's yeah. brutal. Yeah. 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 He's a hundred percent right. I think that's the thing. The ties really did. Their shins are so desensitized in the calcium deposits that build yeah, they're up. Doing it since they're kids. So it's uh, like, he, Kenny brings up a great point. We're not really investing the time to develop that shin either. And like he said, it was just kicking the heavy big, kick, rolling it out with a piece of wood or whatever, tapping it with like a collie stick. You know, these are things that everybody did back in the day, but I don't, it's just that disappeared. Now it's just, it's almost like there's no time. It's, you know, everything just, we got to get in there, you know, and I think maybe that could be part of the reason that, uh, man, how many boxes putting their hands in pickle, uh, rind or grind, whatever they yeah. call it, you know, pickle right. juice, yeah. you know what I mean? To develop the, you know, even the calluses on your hands and, you know, yeah. man, I used to do like Luke, even with Luke Home, I'd have him punching those sandbags and, you know, really developing his hand. And I mean, you, you put right. time into some of that stuff that I definitely don't see anymore. Uh, I just think there's so many things to cover. Maybe got overlooked, but yeah, there was a, back in the day, everybody desensitized their shins and, 
you know, whatever they could do for their hands. Yeah, that, that that's 100 percent true. And as Bilal Muhammad has said, toughness is part of the equation. Last thing I'll say, right, if the peroneal nerve gets hit, obviously – there's nothing you can do. But like Carlos Condit's legs were destroyed right in front of me. Destroyed, both of them. And he's tough, just physically tough and willing to fight through that. And I do think there's a, a big spectrum in terms of where fighters fall on that. But he was able to fight through that. Uh, and a lot of fighters can as long as that. Yeah, the, and plus, I'll tell you, it's not even it's not the day of the fight. It's the next day, man. Yeah, <laughs> you go to yeah. walk up those yeah. stairs or you're on the toilet. You go to get up. You... <laughs> There were times I'd spar like, you know, kind of hard and I wouldn't even feel it. And the next day I was kind of crippled, man, that from my knee to my ass was black and blue. But you wouldn't, you know, Kenny, like it wasn't even it almost became normal. But there were days that, man, it took a, it took like a week, man. Going up the stairs was a nightmare. Yeah. Kenny, I mean, it was crazy. Absolutely. I love your voice, man. Like, the, I mean, obviously, that your voice, I think, was the impetus for us hiring you on episode one. Uh, I just love listening to your voice. By the way, we did send you a merchandise check this week. Cody, really? It's supposed to be a surprise. I'm sorry. Oh, shoot. Why'd you ruin the surprise? Well, I could have had so much fun like, with that when I went out and treated myself to a cold brew with the check. Well, because we don't want you expecting it. You know, it's coming. At least, at least oh, one. At least yeah, one. Whatever that check is, I'm going to be at the store. We're going to see. I'm going to let the fans equate what yeah. the check was by what I purchased. <laughs> and for right, some good. reason, Kenny, I really hope it's more than a cold brew. I'm, I'm not <laughs> at least one. At least, at least one. one. At least one. <laughs> we didn't want to make this check too big, you know, because we didn't want to set the standard too high. I will disappoint you a little bit though the ray longo minute shirt the punch a hole in his fucking chest shirt those are no longer the best seller the best seller now actually is me and ken flow on the album cover uh with <laughs> i don't i want i want to see i want to see proof for that with our i want to cover i want to see i want to see proof for that hey wait well before i forget man i want to shout out to uh what, you go? what? why you gotta go no we're just getting started before I forget, though, I want to shout out Tara McCormick. She's the wife of uh, Tom McCormick, who you did the show with, Rough House, with Brian Callen. She's a right. big fan of the show. Oh, so, okay. You know, you have to – Oh, Can okay. you treat people the right way hey. for once in your life? I mean, it's unbelievable. I just thought we'd get to Gilbert Dorino Burns before Tara McCormick. Oh, yeah. Wait. Tara, it's fine. Oh, you're like, that's where I want to go, Gilbert Burns, kidding. instead of shouting I'm out Tara McCormick. We love you, Tara. We appreciate <laughs> the support. What a, what a, uh, did you have fun on the show? It was a good show with Brian Callen. Uh, yeah, it was good. A lot of media. My twin brother just walked in here. Hey, there he is. Oh, boy. Is that a kiss? You know, a lot of volume out there, too. Oh. What's up, Ray Longo? What's up there, buddy? <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to meet you. Oh, what's up, Jay? <laughs> That's for everybody who thinks John and Jay are the same person on Remember yeah, the I Show. <clears throat> Proof. So, I just didn't realize this has got to be loud as shit. You come to Las Vegas, right? And like seven thirty in the morning, I'm fucking screaming. Yeah, that's not great, huh? Anyway, Yo, I'm just gonna voice. get fucking louder. Who's in twenty one twenty two? Yeah, right. Who's gonna bang on that wall? Nobody. Come on, let's go. Fire what do we got, Burns? All right. So, uh, yeah. How about Gilbert Burns? Can flow thirty to twenty seven on my scorecard. Uh, 
I'm very curious, obviously, to get Ray Longo's take oh. on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in defeat. But Ken Flo, um, what'd you what'd you make of Gilbert Burns' big performance over the weekend? I was really impressed, man. Um, again, just not a whole lot of people uh, are able to do that to someone like a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, he clearly did his homework. Um, I, I wasn't sure he was going to be able to do. Uh, to, to first of all be able to cut off the cage like he did to to pressure him like he did um and i think him getting respect with his strikes is what enabled him to get to those clinch positions and take him down gilbert is one of the best guard passers in the world and has been known as as such uh in the jiu jitsu world um so his top pressure is is something to behold and he was really doing a great job of cutting him off with hooks getting to that clinch position and, and finishing a lot of those takedowns. So I, I was extremely impressed with Burns's um, strategy, his tactics, um, and the fact that he was able to switch things around so quickly mentally coming off of that uh, loss to Kamara Usman to the Gilbert Burns who was uh, there on Saturday night in Vegas. Ray, what, what? what are you doing with your camera? I'm trying to listen to Kenny. Looking around. <laughs> I'm fidgeting because you scored that fight 30-27. How dare you? It was 29-28 for sure. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine for you. Yeah, I thought 29 you couldn't, you couldn't have given the guy the second round. It's impossible. Oh, it is not impossible. I'm by Are you, you know, kidding? Like we have the same strength and conditioning coaches, you know. Um <laughs> oh, and in that case, in that case, go with 30-27. No, I thought it was 30 to 27, but I guess that's neither here nor there. What what were your thoughts on the fight? You know, Michael Bisping on the on the post-fight show wasn't trying to take away from Gilbert Burns' performance, but uh, he said it was an off night for Stephen Thompson. Um, what were your thoughts on the fight? Oh, I love Bisping. I absolutely I, love I, him. I, I absolutely I he, love him, too. I so think he was right on the money. <laughs> is you just going to be no, short-winded today? Cause, <laughs> is that all you no, got? no, he did a, Gilbert did a great job. Uh, you know, what, what are you going to say? No, I think Kenny, Kenny summed it up. I mean, I don't know. He did a no, really good fine. job. That's I think fine. the fact that he was even shooting, I didn't think he'd be able to take him down, uh, you know, or really get the range on him like that. But you could see that fight was either going to be either, either do that or you stay on the outside and you lose. So I think, you know, uh, right. right. He did a great job, you know, cause a lot of people get stuck like a deer in headlights. And I thought that's what would happen to him. But you know, like, again, Vincente Luque is his training partner. He never shot once in that fight. I don't believe. I don't, I don't believe he did. But uh, and and this guy, I think that was the change of plans was just just going forward when you, you, you feel like you can't. Yeah. And uh, that's what he did. You know, the first shot was pretty long, but he got to the leg, I think, and he made it work. And that was it. Yeah. And, and it's hard to tell whether it was the threat of the takedown, the pressure or whether it was Wonder Boy just being a little bit more gun shy than normal, you know. It, it, typically, you see a, a Wonder Boy that is moving a little bit better, that's a little bit sharper. But I don't know. I, I, again, yeah. um, it, it's you, you can have an off night or not, or a, a little bit, or be off by a lot in one night, and and the whole game changes. So yeah. um, either way, you know, both guys. Uh, you know, came to fight and uh, you, you got to take the good with the bad. And, and Gilbert Burns ended up getting it done, man. It was, it was amazing. All right, and both, guys, both guys, you know, were in the spot they wanted to be when one yeah. boy hit him with that spin kick, he wobbled him. Nice combos off of that. But you know, the guy let, you know, the guy was durable and he was able to come back and, 
go back to his game plan. So, yeah, no, it was a great fight for Gilbert Burns. It really, it really was. Cody, see if you can back up Ian Parker 10 minutes. So a few other things real quick. Uh, 11 scorecards at MMADecisions.com, 30 to 27 Burns. The other 11, 29, 28. So I rest my case on that. Um, I don't know if you guys find this interesting. Kenny might uh, because I know Kenny knows J.C. Santana and some of yeah. the old school sort of training techniques. They do a lot at the Institute of Human Performance, J.C. and Rio Santana, the guys that I work with every week. I don't do this training, right? But they do a lot of simulation training. And they've been doing this with Gilbert Burns for four years. His cardio base is just outstanding. He's very strong. Jorge Masvidal said to me this week that Gilbert is a little bit undersized for the weight class. And I know Joe Rogan disagrees with this. We talked about it on the broadcast on the pay-per-view. Um, but he he's not like giving up strength necessarily. But look at somebody like Michelle Pareda is a welterweight, you know, like Gilbert Burns is a little bit undersized when when matched up with that guy. But Dana was a little bit critical of Gilbert Burns at the post-fight press conference. Gilbert Burns came over after the fight and said to Dana, you know, sorry, man, whatever. <clears throat> but part of the reason why Gilbert ascended so quickly to a title fight is because he has been exciting. And for those who want to criticize Gilbert Burns' performance, I would submit to you this. At the end of the fight, Ken, right? Say what you want about a wayward shot here or there, maybe to the back of the head, right, Ray? But like... Oh, no, that was, that was hard. He's trying to finish the fight, though? Well, yeah, but like... Do you think he's trying to finish the fight there or just like sitting on a lead? Like everybody's booing him. He's literally trying to knock right. Wonder Boy's head off. Like I just – I don't know. I, I hate the criticism of these athletes. And if this performance, right, fighting a guy who's so hard to beat stylistically, if this performance is going to get criticized, like then maybe I'm in the wrong sport. Um, but obviously, Ray, you thought it was very egregious, those shots to the back of the head. So. Well, I mean, he, already, he already won the fight, right, at that point. Yeah, but, I mean, but the point is is that like – Right, he like he's trying to finish though, like he's priding but, himself but, but on, you know, on being but, you an know, entertaining fighter too, and then he still gets criticized, you know. Like, well, nobody's criticizing the fight, but you got to criticize if he's hitting the guy illegally in the back of the head. No, absolutely, absolutely. So what's, what's I, the I, point? Separating the potential foul from his desire, Kenny, to be offensive late in the well, fight. Yeah, no, I'll say this. Listen, but, so his desire yeah. led him to throw illegal blows. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm I'm, I'm trying to follow the logic. Kenny, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I guess for me, it, it's this, right? It's like people will criticize, you know, especially, you know, someone like Dana, who's, who's you know, um, you know, the president of the UFC and all that stuff. But literally your career can change so quickly with one loss. Um, and, you know, if you're going to criticize guys for losing and criticize guys for winning, and what the hell are you supposed to do? What are you what are you supposed to do if you're only making so much money or you're only, you know, there's so much on the line with your approach and what you're trying to do in the sport? Um, I, I think it's tough. And, and I do think that, listen, it, it could be it can go away, you know, way too much one way. Right. But it, it's an art, too. And, and everyone's going to have a certain style and approach. Uh, and you got to do what's going to get you the win. Also, it's going to keep you safe, too. You know, um, guys are going to take that approach. And so, again, you you, you got to put all those things into context. I thought that Gilbert Burns, you know, fought a good fight. One doesn't just go out there and knock out Stephen Warnerboy Thompson, okay? That usually doesn't work out very well for people. Um, so I thought that he, he did what he had to do to get the win. Uh, maybe it wasn't the prettiest thing. Uh, but he got it done, and uh, he holds his spot, or potentially moves up and gets closer to to a rematch. But um, I, I don't like hearing that from Dane. I don't like hearing that uh, about people. Oh, they didn't fight this way. The way he's trying to get the fucking win, man. 
He's trying to get the win. You know, at the end of the day, if he gets a loss and that's an L by his record, um, you know, no, no one's going to be talking about that. So anyways, but wait, yeah, wait, wait, I think, I think it was a great win for Burns. I nobody, I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that. Look, and the illegal shot. I mean, I thought they were the illegal shot, but that's on the ref. That's not on Gilbert right, Burns. I'm right, not, right. I'm just saying, I don't know where the ref should have stopped, stepped in and said, you know, it's an illegal blow. I mean, you're hitting them in the back of the head or the back of the neck. I don't know. I didn't really look at it that bad. And I didn't make a big deal out of it at the time. I just thought, man, those blows are going a little south. Nobody yeah. said, no, I said as much on the broadcast, you know, I mean, it was chaos. You probably couldn't hear me, but if you go back, yeah, I, I, I definitely yeah. acknowledge that. No, I didn't even, I couldn't hear. I didn't hear it. I was more just sort of thinking about this thematically of people saying that Gilbert Burns wasn't maybe offensive enough. And then I'm looking at him in a most violent way, still trying to, you know, give off as much output uh, late in the fight. But I don't know. Maybe I'm not objective, but uh, very surprised that there's any criticism after he literally takes what is like the hardest stylistic matchup for like anybody in the division. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. No, no, no. Hats, hats off to Gilbert Burns. No, I don't think anybody – I didn't I didn't even hear the press conference, so I don't – that's – look, but that's been going on since day one. You know what I mean? Like that criticism. If you yeah. can't take criticism and right. not that we're going to agree with right. Get your ass out the kitchen. Right. I mean, it's, it's actually Ray Longo's public approval rating is so good that it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm just saying, you know, you know, this game at this point is crazy. All right. Sugar Sean O'Malley over Chris Mutino. And there yeah. are a lot of different layers to this. Statistically, uh, I, can't, I can't wait for this one. So, <laughs> Kenny, statistically, this is one of the 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 most impressive offensive performances i'm saying statistically right i mean it was a mismatch right. of the highest order but yeah. uh, i mean i he landed like 85 percent of his strikes and landed a historically great amount of them um but uh there was the stoppage there's a lot of different layers to this i got a text from ray longo and i know we maybe disagree on this a little bit so uh well longo, i'll tell you i'll think? tell you yeah i'll tell you why we disagree and i thought the stoppage was horrible for one reason like what why'd they stop it Why'd they stop that fight? <clears throat> Why'd they let that fight even happen? Let's go to that. Why do you let a minus 1,000? What was the odds after the first round? Minus 50,000? Who <laughs> thought he was going to win after the first round? Why not stop it after the first round and go, you know what? It, not, it doesn't look good. We're going to stop it. Well, why, why, why not do that if you're out to protect the fighter? Everybody knew that kid was going to lose that fight. There wasn't one person that thought he was going to win. Why not let him at least walk out with 20 seconds to go. That's my point. Why let the fight happen in the first place if you give a shit about him? And why let it go past the first round? Everybody knew. Did the odds go down? Did they go down to plus 500? <laughs> no, 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 seriously, right. Kenny. Am I wrong on that? You're right. I mean, the fight shouldn't have happened. So at least the kid yeah. got that far. Let him go out with something. I don't know if that's anything or if that's stupid. But the whole point is if you're there to protect that guy, Stop it after the first round. Everybody knew what was going to happen. And and O'Malley's awesome, man. I love it. I think he's got the best feints in the game, man. He really knows how to work off of that. I don't want to even take anything away from that kid, but it's the, the it's the behind the scenes. It's the fact of letting that fight go on. So to save a fight, let's just throw the guy in there, and then we're just going to stop it with 20 seconds. I don't know. That part I don't get. I think the fight, if you really cared about uh, that kid, you stop it after the first round. Go, you know what, man? Come back another time. It's not looking good. It looks like a mismatch to me. Maybe we we didn't do this right. If you cared, but if you're not, right, right, right. you know, I don't know. Right. Listen, you make a great point. I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to to counter with. I think um, the the only thing I will say is this: is that you know, 
there's one punch that could change it. You know, he was eating a lot of shots. It was clearly a mismatch. But to your point, then they should have stopped the fight earlier than that. Uh, Without a doubt. What are we doing? That kid was fighting his ass off, and now you kind of took a you, you took away from his ability to at least go the distance. Without right? a doubt. Give him something. That, that's that's the that's the harmful part. Yes. The, the kid was fighting his heart out. So a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because uh, yeah. I'm, you know, what is it is. It, it's been around so long. Oh, uh, we're here to protect the. You're not. You're here to make a fight. That's what you did. You yeah. didn't want to lose a fight, and you gave the kid a sacrificial lamb, technically. And if you know, and maybe he wouldn't have been. But after the first round, you knew where that fight was going. And if it was going in the opposite direction, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong then. My yeah, I, I guess. And yeah. it's MMA. Anything could happen. And if that's the mm-hmm. case. Then it's another 30 seconds. Let it continue. Maybe he lands a haymaker. Right. And, 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 you know, to say what Ray was saying earlier, you know, again, because of the implications of what happened before the fight, obviously O'Malley loses his original opponent, gets in there with a kid who's coming in in his UFC debut uh, against um, one of the best strikers in that division, it seems now, John O'Malley. Super Um, talented. As soon as you see a mismatch, like if you see a mismatch in boxing like that on that kind of order, they're stopping the fight. The you know, because yeah, the, and that's the thing. The other court too. So you, you got you got to be aware of those kind of things because m- maybe maybe he doesn't come back well in his second fight in the UFC, and all of a sudden his career's over because he hung out there for another two rounds. So. For, again, whether it's the referee or the corner or whatever it is, when you see that kind of a mismatch, you save your fighters. Play, like, hey, listen, this guy, he's you're taking a lot of damage. Let's just we'll come back to fight another day. So that that was uh, that was a tough one for me. But the the, the toughness and the heart, no, yeah. uh, and Moutinho, I was just it, it was it was unbelievable. I, I was so impressed with that kid, man. Absolutely beautiful. Because you know what you miss, John, is like I deal a lot of times with the commissions when I'm, you know, on the local shows. Dude, the fights that they turn down is well, you know, I think that's right, a mismatch. Right. Dude, no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Right. So that that this is, and then they'll do that all day long with me trying to get a guy a fight, and then they'll let this shit go on. Right. That's the problem. I. And that's where I'm at, man. That's that's it. You know, if you really want to protect people, do it the right way. Don't just posture and say we're here to level the field and we're here to make sure it's up because it's fucking bullshit. And that that just uh, stinks, man, for that kid to have that fight stopped at that point. My brother was watching with a boxing trainer who said to him after round two, he said, if I was there, I would throw in the towel right now. And I thought that was interesting as well. I thought maybe there should have been a stern warning from Herb Dean if he was going to stop the fight at some point. Like, Chris, you've got to raise your guard. Uh, that would have been perfect. Because listen, what was it, like over 200 punches that he landed? Right. So, yeah. so 200 punches, not by like regular Joe Blow on the street. These are professional fighters' punches. And furthermore, O'Malley, who knows how to really punch, he knows how to hurt people. So that's 200 punches by Sean O'Malley, not just like some kid, you know, some 14-year-old kid. It's it's a different level. We can't quantify um, the extent to which Chris Moutinho's career was shortened by this fight, but I think we can all agree that there's a price to be paid for taking that type of damage. And, um, you know, I guess for me, right, like when I sort of understand, when I say publicly that I understand Herb Dean in this situation, then all of a sudden – I'm saying that he's the gold standard, right? Which I've never said, you know, like I've never put Herb Dean over per se, but 
the whole moral victory thing. See, you guys are coaches and fighters and you're in the game and I'm not, you know? So for me, Kenny, it's like the moral victory thing for me. I just, I, you know, I thought it's, it's massively disappointing for him. Right. I'm glad he got the $75,000 and maybe that kind of helps the whole equation, right. but I'm literally right there. And you guys are right there at times. And, like sometimes there just comes a point as a human being where you can't let a man take another shot. And if there was one twenty nine on the clock, it would have been a better aesthetic for Herb Dean. But I yeah. can I can understand when you're right there. All of a sudden, it's like you know what I I've been trying to let this guy finish the fight. Right. But this but if he had given a stern warning at the four minute mark in round three, um, then I think people would would be able to sort of. I I I, I, I totally agree with that. I don't even look. It's not, I'm not even knocking Herb Dean. I'm just saying I think the fight should have, you know, you should have let that kid finish at that given point in time. You're right. If he stops it, you know, he goes after the second round and says, listen, man, like, I don't want to see you take this punishment. Uh, you're not really connecting with much. You're eating a lot. And then he stops at 45 seconds into that third round. I think it, he looks like a hero. I, it's just the timing of it was all for me. I mean, he could have, if he stopped at the beginning of the third round, I don't think anybody says anything. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It, it's, I mean, again, we, we can go back to the first fight between Julio Cesar Chavez and Meldrick Taylor, where they literally stopped it with one second to go in the yeah. final round of a world championship fight that Taylor was, was, was winning. winning. Yeah, was yeah winning. and referee. That's, and, and that's the difference, yeah. Right, exactly. And Steele look, was looking at him and actually didn't let him continue. It was, it was a crazy thing. So, you know, um, I think hopefully more than anything else, this becomes a, a good learning lesson, you know, not only for, you know, the fighters involved, the referee involved, but for, for the UFC as well, you know, and other organizations to right. say, hey, listen, we, we need to make these choices a little bit wiser for, for how we're matching these guys up. For yeah. me, right? And again, as somebody, and I know sometimes people hate when I bring this up, but as a former boxing journalist to whatever degree who was in the building when a professional boxer passed away, um, for me, this is harder to watch than to see a guy's leg snap, right? Just to see that perpetual damage. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, a scary yeah, John, it's, look, that's the sport. And look, the UFC did a great job with damage control, right? Fight it a night. So everybody now shifts their focus to – at least that kid got the 75 grand. He got something. So, but yeah. what's 75 grand if you can't fucking eat your cereal in the morning? You know, so right. the whole thing is crazy to me. It's just, right. you know, but we, this is the sport everybody signs on for. So yeah. I have absolutely no problem with that because yeah. if you're not into it, don't do it. But, yeah. you know, I think, uh, I don't know, whatever. All right. Hey, thanks for the time today, man. Wow. You are That's, on fire. A little exhausted. <laughs> Uh, he might need an extra round after that one. Holy shit. An extra round, Cody. Extra round. Did you actually hear me? Believe it or not, I, I hang up on this and I go right to I'm doing unfiltered after this. I'm like a professional podcasting whore at this point. <laughs> absolutely horrible. We love your services. <laughs> we love your services. You do a good job. Hey, hey, real quick on a different night. Oh, you got some, John. I interrupt no, you. Just saying, you're using us a, as a warm up uh, for uh, <laughs> whatever show you speak of. I did plug extra rounds on television this weekend, but you didn't notice that. What were you going to say, Ray? Go ahead. <laughs> no, you took that. a deep breath. I figured it was something good. No. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, did anybody, let me just shout out because I, I love Dan Lambert. Did somebody, one of my guys brought me the clip of him doing professional wrestling. Have, have you seen that? I no, it. it's phenomenal. The guy does a. I cannot believe. I think that guy's my age, man. He gets thrown 
I was awesome, man. I I give it up to Dan. If you're out there, fucking great job on that. Really great. He, I mean, even his mic skills. He was he was phenomenal, man. I I was blown away by that. I got I got caught off guard. I was teaching. Somebody said, "Did you see this?" And I go, "Wow." I got I got to see this now. Oh, you got Kenny. I tell you, it's it's worth the look, man. That's awesome. You know, because you don't really see Dan out right publicly like a lot speaking, and it was nice to see. Fun That's fact, cool. Dan Lambert, two-time guest on the Anakin Florian podcast, one of my absolute favorites. Wow. Yeah. So I never I didn't know that. Yeah. We'll get it. I back never listened to the podcast. But yeah. uh... listen to it back. How are you gonna get it <laughs> better, Ray, if you don't listen back? <laughs> Unbelievable. Download at least subscribe to the show on your fucking phone. Try to have you know? Oh, tell me I'm not a, am I a subscriber or not? Be in that I, I do. I swear to. I hate so. I hate the whole thing. I hate the yeah, whole. I know thing. you do. I know you do. Um, <laughs> I'm going right now. I'm subscribing right before I do unfiltered and extra rounds. I'm going to subscribe right now. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> send our best to Tara McCormick. Unless you have anything else, we're going to unceremoniously uh, remove you from. Well, I think we okay. should shout out our fans on a weekly basis to show our appreciation. Yeah. No? no doubt about it. The well, you just want to keep well, you just want to keep fucking people over. I don't know, either or. It's a, what? I'm such a shill, you know. Oh my god. You know, the guy wears a uh, he wears a Gucci suit and this is what we got to deal I, with in yeah, this It's not unbelievable. A suit, not a Gucci suit and uh, <laughs> Mark Russell, sorry Mark. You'll never see it again. You'll never see the suit again. And you'll never see me wearing this shirt again. Wait until you see what I'm wearing. At UFC 265. No, no I'm just no. kidding. No, I'm, totally I'm excited. Kidding. I'm totally this is, kidding. This no. should be a new thing, what John Anik is wearing. Not. I love it. Could you imagine, though, <laughs> if I just, to be, actually, the only way I would go down this path would just be to fuck with Buffer, right? No, but, I was going to say, Buffer will throw down with you, dude. If you start oh, out chatting him yeah, like yeah. this, there's going to be a problem. Imagine if I show up, like, full white suit or something to UFC 265. Oh, Buff's like, what are we doing here? You know, I literally could could sort of like uh, devise a scheme with our UFC social team to ruin his life, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> All right, man. All right, Thank you, my man. Hey, Thanks, Ray. Ivanka, you're on fire today, Ray. See somebody put uh, Dustin Poirier's Louisiana hot sauce in Tai to Ivasa's shoey. Guy's crazy. Daddy, did you see it? It's messed up, dude. Did you see that was this messed up. Still I did see, dude. But he did like, he did like uh, what three things of beer on the way. Uh, he's a, oh, he's no. a savage, dude. No, okay. You're not stopping that guy. Impossible. Not stop. Yeah. Three beers is a. I mean, come on, that's a joke. Thirty, maybe we start talking. I don't even think then. He's an he, No, he's he's the best. That guy. It was yeah. unbelievable. Hey, Ray. Anyway, guys, have a great uh, week. I'll see you next week. There he is. Yeah, Ray. Thanks for your contributions, the Ray Longo Minute, every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. I just opened up a TB12 electrolyte packet because I'm starting to feel a little nauseated because of the Casamigos last night. It is time for the pronunciation of the week as we welcome in uh, the good-natured Cody Merrill. This guy's out of his mind, huh? Who? Right. Hey, me. All right. Right. Oh, he's yeah. you. I mean, you're half half your mind's here today. So he's, he's got to bring up the slack. Good. This this Gilbert Burns criticism to me is fucking insanity, um, absolute insanity. You know. Um, all right, Cody, it's great to see you. Um, we have two files that we want to play today. Um, but for our pronunciation of the week, this first athlete will be taking on Jeremy Stevens, featured bout on the main card, which you can see, I believe, on both ESPN Plus and ESPN this weekend. Cody, uh, which lightweight are we talking about here, kid? It's gonna be embarrassing, Matus Gamrot. 
My name is Mateusz Gamrot. My nickname is Gamer. Matus Gamrot. Mateusz. Mateusz. See, what the f- I thought it was Mateusz. Oh, All right, let's hear it again. My name is Mateusz Gamrot. My nickname is Gamer. Mateusz. Mateusz. I definitely yeah. didn't get it right, but I think it's Mateusz. But I got vilif- I got my validation from Drickus himself on the broadcast, uh, by the way. <laughs> so, no, I'm glad you bring that up. Right? Yeah, I, I knew it was coming. There's, there's, a, there's a little more leeway right now with our producers than there was six months ago, right? Because ultimately we're leaning into the syllabic emphasis. And as long as the right syllable is emphasized, there are going to be different interpretations of these files, right? So Dracus Duplessis, okay? If we play that file for you again, right? And I know Cody has it, right? But he says Dracus once and then Dracus. And then he goes in the octagon with Joe Rogan and says it's Dracus Duplessis. So we got the Duplessis right. But I don't know that anyone in the world other than him knows right now whether it's Dracus, Dracus, or Dracus. Well, so, here's the thing, John. I don't I don't know anybody. If you pair the two of us, who has listened to this file more? Like, I don't – I listen right. to this, you know? Yeah. After the show, I have to go through and be, like, trying to defend myself. But and, I and thought now, he listened to the show, and then yeah. he came on the, the thing, and he was like, listen, Joe Rogan. Cody Mero had it right, and he was the only one. So, like, go watch the Anakin Florian <laughs> podcast. No free plugs here. I mean, yeah. free plugs all over the place for these shows on ESPN with guys that right. don't even fight. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm here with John Anik and Kenny Florian. God Let's go. Uh, and, by the way, uh, Dracus Duplessis, Ken Flo, the South African who won a performance of the night bonus. Cody, stay here. Don't go anywhere. Uh, a $75,000 bonus for him. He looked outstanding, I thought. Um and I will say, too, in our fighter meeting, he said the first UFC live event he went to was January of 2020. Connor versus Cowboy at T-Mobile Arena. He went as a fan. Wow. wow. A year later, he's fighting on a Conor McGregor headline card and winning a That's cool. It's kind of all downhill from there, right? Like you go to a Conor card, your first card. My first card was Derek Lewis versus uh, Ibrahimov, I think it was his name is. I don't know. Yeah. Abdurakimov. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. That was not a good one. My no. first card yeah. was UFC 87 at the Target Center in Minnesota. Uh, ESPN flew me out there just to watch Ken Flo beat the fuck out of Roger Ware to 30-27. <laughs> Fucking right. Huge win. Yeah, go watch UFCFightPass.com. <laughs> oh, man. That's so fightpass.com. Who's Kenny Florian? Yeah, UFCFightPass.com. I know that guy. Um, all right, so what I need from you guys now, because I don't want to keep Ian waiting any longer. Tiago Moises is fighting whom in the main event? I want to hear both of you say Islam's name, and then we're going to play the file. So, uh, Cody, you first. Islam Mahachev. Go for it, Kenny. Your turn. You get to guess. Well, actually, you know what, Kenny? I mean, he- no, I want Kenny to guess now. Yeah. I'm, I get put on the spotlight all Islam the time. Islam Mahachev. Yeah, you guys both got it right. Go, let's hear him say it. Islam Mahachev. Mahachev. A little bit of that. Wrong one, sorry. Islam Mahachev. Mahachev. Yeah. Mahachev. We got it. So we nailed it, Cody. It's not Makachev, right? Right. So I did that for everybody this weekend because KH. Anytime you see KH, it's a Mahachev. Uh, right? Not Makachev. Yeah. All right. That is it for the pronunciation of the week. And let us not keep a fine man waiting. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. 
going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, big week for the Duck, Ian Parker, as usual. He has had a historically great handicapping season. Like, if this was the NFL and it was just a season, Ian, you would really be celebrated. But 11-1, uh, and one, as you uh, so humbly texted me over the weekend, you look tan, you look good. Uh, congrats on kicking Ken Flo's ass once again. <laughs> I was outside for like 12 minutes because Thanos got out of the house and I got sunburned somehow. It wasn't even out. Like, it's been raining otherwise. It's kind of ridiculous. But, uh, yeah. You should see he runs out of the house. These vendors like. (laughs) Can you just tell our audience uh, what kind of dog Thanos is and how much he weighs right now? Yeah, he's a half Great Dane, half English Mastiff. He's about a year and I haven't weighed him in a little bit. He's between 135 and 140 right now. But he's his height on on his hind legs. He's about 5'8", 5'9". On all four. So like when he goes under the kitchen table and he like stands up, the table lifts. Like he's not allowed under the table anymore to lay down. That's uh, but he um, I guess he thought I was outside and the door was kind of open. He opens a door he, and we live in a cul-de-sac. He bolts out there and there's these lands- the landscapers are out there and they all jump back in their truck. <laughs> he ran up to them and his tails. So I'm like, yo, he's good. He's just a baby. They're like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, but Next week on the show, we will show a still image of Thanos. We don't have it queued up today, but every time Ian texts me a picture of this dog, Ken Flo, yeah. I'm awestruck every time. Like without fail. Um, and you have this amazing purple chair in your house. Just put Thanos next to the purple chair so I can get, <laughs> Let me get Thanos in here right now. He's laying outside the door, but uh, he's in the bantamweight division now, but he might right, end up yeah, with the exactly. middleweight. That's he was going to, he was going to fight O'Malley on short notice, but Sean said, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we have three picks to make today. Um, but Ian, I guess I just wanted to first get your biggest takeaway from UFC 264. I would imagine it has something to do with, uh, with Dustin and Connor, but if not, uh, what'd you make of the pay-per-view this weekend? I love the card from top to bottom. You know, it was a really exciting, um, a lot of guys showed up. Chris Moutinho, who fought Sean O'Malley, obviously extremely tough, ton of heart. Uh, I could see why Herb stopped it. I mean, he takes all that damage. You would think 30 more seconds, let him go out on the shield. But then again, we don't need his brain going to mush Gilbert Burns. Wow. Um, I think people, I don't really understand why the hate he did what he needed to do. And he solved the puzzle against wonder boy. No one's been able to do that. He did yeah. it that, you know, and I think wonder boy is just a better five round fighter and starts too slow with the striking. Uh, Gilbert just did what he needed to do. Let boo all you want. The guy got the win over a really hard wonder boy, uh, there. And, uh, look, Dustin Connor, um, Dustin looked great. It was a 10, eight round in my book. You know, obviously it's a five round fight. Could Connor have done something in the second round? Sure. He's not known for going the distance. The thing that bothered me the most though, John, to be honest, all that Connor had to say sitting there was, look, he got the best of me in that round. It's a five round fight. Who knows what could have happened? It's an injury. It sucks. Hopefully I can see him again in the future. Instead, all the threats, all the, you know, the trash talk that's kind of went a little too far in my book. And I also think that there's no real reason. I don't need to see this fight again. I think Connor go get healthy. Fight Nate Diaz. Let Dustin fight Charles Oliveira. Let's move on. And certainly it's not going to happen right now, uh, even if most of us or some of us, I should say, don't feel like we uh, we got the closure we were looking for. Ken Flo, real quick, what do you think? And Ian, I want your thoughts on this officially, if possible, guys. What do you think would have happened at the start of round two in Poirier and McGregor? Because prevailing wisdom seems to think that Dustin would have just, you know, smashed him right out. I mean, I can't sit here and say that that would have been the case. Like, what do you think would have happened if we had started round two? I mean, geez, there, there's so many other things that could have happened, but I think that he most likely would have tried to look for a takedown 
um, uh, against Connor. That's where he was getting his best work done. Can he win on the feet? Yeah, I mean, obviously he did great in that first uh, fight, but his easiest path to victory was on the ground. He was landing some brutal ground and pound. Um, and I would assume that it would have been Connor trying to defend those takedowns. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Connor, you know, I think got a little emotional again and was getting caught with those counter shots going backwards. And again, wasn't mixing yeah, it up as much it as he, as he should have. But again, that absolutely. When you get a con, when you get a, a striker, like a Conor McGregor, he's extremely dynamic. He could have won that fight. I mean, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really hard. It's really hard to tell um, how that fight would have gone. You know, um, I don't know. Ian was Dustin like minus one thousand at the beginning. Of, I mean, like at that Bro. point on the live number. Or? No, so it didn't even it didn't even get there because the round technically didn't end. You know, I will say this, John. You said something on the broadcast that I've been saying for for two weeks, talking about this fight, doing breakdowns. Who did Connor bring in to spar or train for this fight? I never see any of his sparring partners. We could jo- joke about Artem. We could joke about Dylan Dennis. But seriously, Dustin has American top team. Between the 55ers there, the 70, 70ers, and even some middleweights, he's got everything at his disposal, right? I don't know who Connor really trains with. And to answer your question about the second round, does it start on the feet? Yes, but go back and watch it. Outside of those few kicks that Connor landed, Dustin was starting to land the combinations. And every time in the first fight when that happened, Connor backs up against the cage, doesn't eat them very well. And for some reason, when he eats those, he starts to get a little tired. I mean, for Connor to jump on a guillotine and hold it as long as he did, that's just taking more, more juice out of the arms, you know, and that's what he needed. You know, I, I think just the mystique of Connor's power didn't frighten Dustin after he ate those shots in the first fight. He did eat a big left in the first round. Do I think Dustin would have necessarily smashed him in the second? Look, it's a fight. We don't know what could have happened. But to make a long story short, I don't think the second round would have been too much different. Dustin would have eventually gotten the fight to the floor, and who knows. But, you know, I just don't like the narrative that even Kavanaugh is saying that he liked what he saw out of Connor in round one. I don't know how you could say that about your fighter. You know, do I think he survived the ground and pound? Yeah, but nothing there showed me anything different in his game other than pulling on a glove, you know? So, right. It, it happened. You, you look. You, yeah. you saw oh, the. I, these, hey, I didn't you know. see it. Right. I didn't see it. Annex no, 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 no. People that, oppose. <laughs> you didn't see it. Oh, it's there. Little, no, I, I'm there. saying I didn't see it live. You know. I'm <laughs> no, I no. I, listen, I didn't see that either. But when people are posting the pictures, Dustin literally said the guy was pulling on my glove and throwing an up kick. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't speak on Connor per se. It's just like you know. And I spoke to Kenny about this. What's Connor really doing, working from the bottom? If I'm him, I'm drilling off my back constantly to try and stand up. He didn't try to stand up once. Right. On his back. Oh, right. Yeah. All right. We got to make some selections, guys. UFC yeah. fight night. Makashev versus Moises. Three predictions. We will start with Mataj Gamrot minus 250 versus Jeremy Stevens plus 195. 34th UFC appearance for Jeremy Stevens. But first since UFC 249, long time ago when we sort of broke pandemic, so to speak, May 9th, 2020. He lost to Calvin Cater that night. He was to face Arnold Allen at featherweight November of 2020. Stevens forced to pull out due to injury. Then the Drakkar close fight was supposed to happen in April. Of course, he shoved him, and that fight thereby went away. And now he draws the well-rounded Polish fighter, Mataj Gamrot. Ian Parker, how do you see it playing out? I like Gamrot here. I think his pressure and his wrestling is probably what will get it done. You know, Stevens is kind of that power puncher, brawl, go for the brawl and hope to win it all or lose it all. And, uh, you know, listen, Jeremy's exciting, but I, I think he loses this one. It might just be too much for him. 
Kenflo, what do you think? Jeremy Stevens back at 155 pounds here. You know, this is this is a tough fight. No, no question about it. Uh, I do think Jeremy um, ha- has some decent wrestling uh, when he's able to kind of get at a lower l- level stance and, um, you know, l- wrestle uh, up against Cage a little bit. Um, it, it's a tough matchup for him, but I do think that if he's able to keep it on the feet and land some shots um, and, and tire out Gamron, he can win that fight. Um, Gamrot's a favorite for a reason, but uh, I'm going to go with Stevens. I think Stevens finds a way to uh, pull off a, a big upset here, actually. All right, very interesting stuff there. That brings us to the co-main event, Misha Tate. Minus 125, Marion Renault, the even money underdog. We will need the round and the method of victory, man. Renault is how old, guys? Do we know? Do you guys 44? Know? 44. Wow. Age. You got it right. Cool. lost four straight fights by unanimous decision. This will be her retirement fight. It is already announced that this will be Marion Renault's retirement fight. Misha Tate reciprocally back for the first time since 2016. And Ian, I thought it was sort of interesting, right? Same year Misha Tate wins the belt. She retires because she bit off more than she could chew, right? Three fights in 2016, takes the belt from Holly Holm, loses two in a row, and then sort of unceremoniously retires. Now she is back. She is in shape. Uh, what are your thoughts on the short price for Misha Tate here as a slight favorite against Renault? I think you have to take Misha in this situation. I think she's a very smart fighter. I think she, especially with her first fight back, expect her to wrestle where she will be, where, where she'll have the advantage there. I think Renault's tough, though. Listen, she always scraps. She's always game for a good fight, got good stand-up. I think she has underrated jiu-jitsu. I just think Misha has fought the higher-level competition. You see the training videos. She's in tremendous shape. She's really taken this seriously, not that she ever hasn't, but – in a return like this, you, you really have to. And I think this is the right level of competition to get, your, get back into the pond. Uh, I think Misha wins here by decision. Kempfa, what do you have for us on the co-main kid? Yeah, listen, I think that Marion Renault uh, is a good athlete. I think she has some good skills. Um, but I do think that she's going against a, a Misha Tate that is a little bit better everywhere. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I think Misha's experience is definitely going to be the difference. Like, uh, like Ian said, um, I like I, I like Misha here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a TKO here. Actually, uh, let's go with um, let's go with second round TKO here, Misha. Can flow. He's wow. going for it today. He's Fear. going for it. Fear's not fair. I need the points for Kenny Florian. Yeah, I didn't even get to say his name on the broadcast, and we're going to talk to we're going to talk about Ilya Topuria uh, on the way out today. But I didn't yeah. even get to say the name Kenny Florian on the goddamn broadcast. Kenny, I, I did I did have a tweet that I thought was going to make it on the broadcast. I wrote Kenny Florian is in the corner of Ryan Hall tonight, but looks a lot like Topuria. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. And, uh, that didn't make it, but I wrote 1919 and that was it. And that got on the broadcast. So there you I go. don't know what happened there. I tried to get you some love. I am sorry, bro. Kenny Florian is persona non grata around UFC territory. So that's. <laughs> well, that's I was like, why. can I like lead the walk with this? Like, you know, I, you know, I was like also in the corner, uh, three former three time UFC. Title. It would get, it would get beeped out. It would get blurted out. Probably. Kenny Florian. I never thought I don't exist. You yeah. think Venom would have put in a call like, hey, can we can we mention our model here? Like- I know. <laughs> See this guy in the fucking fight kid. All right, main event, boys. Islam Makashev minus 625. Tiago Moises plus 425. We've talked at times about Makashev and the respect that he gets from Las Vegas and rightfully so. And the fact that maybe he would be favored to beat, you know, 
90% of the top 15 right now. It's not just a seven-fight winning streak. It's an impressive strength of schedule. And on the other side, same can be said for Moises. Three-fight winning streak against Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, and Alexander Hernandez. I think, Ian, if there's any coaching staff that can at least help prepare you uh, to beat a guy like Islam, it's American top team. Um, I don't know if it'll be enough. What do you have for us, IP, on the main event? This is a, this is an interesting fight. You expect that uh, Islam's going to put him on his back, and then you got a guy in Moises who is excellent on the ground. You know, I, I have a weird feeling we're going to see a uh, either a straight kickboxing fight or we're going to see a ground-stalling control type of situation. And either way, I do favor Islam. I don't like that it's minus 625. I, you know, I think Moises is better than that. Honestly, I, I think, you know, we look at the rankings sometimes and we get a little confused. This is why I also don't understand why Islam would take this fight. I don't think a win over Moises does anything for him in the eyes of the public, which is nothing against Moises also. He's just not known by the casual fan yet or the main public. He's an excellent, excellent fighter. And the thing about him that I'm so impressed about is how much his striking has improved. You know, if he could keep this fight actually standing or in a scramble against the cage, take Islam's back and just steal a round or two that way and tire him out, maybe. But it's until someone solves this puzzle, um, I'm going to lean towards Islam. And I'm going to say by decision, I do not think he gets the finish here. The upside for Islam is to compete, to stay active, right? He's already fought and won once this year. Um, so what do you think, Ken Flo, about Islam Makhachev here, the price and how it might go against Tiago Moises? Yeah, listen, I think Ian's definitely doing his homework when he's not on the podcast. I think that's an excellent breakdown. I think that um, Tiago Moises has improved his striking. He really impressed me in his last fight. It was like night and day his striking so he's yeah. definitely gaining more confidence uh and putting together some sweet combinations um you know Mahashev uh has some good hands um but uh, i don't know moises could potentially pose some problems on the feet there but Mahashev does his best work on the ground i think moises um has a very good ankle lock and some leg attacks that you got to watch out for um, but Mahashev, again, coming from that Sambo background, you'd think he'd be best prepared out of all the submissions. He should be, be best prepared for, for the leg lock game. We shall see. Um, but I think Mahashev is going to be able to take down Moises. I think he'll be able to uh, get some good positions like from half guard um, and, and maybe some, some takedowns uh, into side control and, and work some ground and pound where he can slowly grind him out. Uh, and win rounds little by little. Um, I could definitely see him winning by decision, um, but um, I think Mahashev uh, gets a, a TKO win in round three. Well, we'll see how the main event plays out. That is why I'm staying in Las Vegas, and I did see Jorge Masvidal. Sorry, let's go with round four. Round four. Round four, <laughs> for the record. Casey Williams. Yes, thank you. Hope you're paying attention. Uh, I talked to Jorge Masvidal last week, and he said, you know, he's seen a lot of Brazilian fighters over the years come to American Top Team, and sometimes – they sort of get chewed up and spit out and, and they, they just can't make it as a pro MMA fighter. You know, Moises started one and two in the UFC, some early diversity. He's still only 26 years old, but Masvidal's really been impressed with this kid, right? His appetite for learning and just his ability to sustain in a really hard environment uh, at American top team. So we'll see uh, how it goes for Moises. If you want more from Ian Parker, uh, who doesn't, honestly, if you're not following this guy's selections at this point in time, then, then maybe you just don't like money at Ian Parker, MMA. Or me. Ah, yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for the uh, the time, and we'll talk to you next week, my man. You got it, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Ian Parker with us for the main event challenge. All right, so uh, Ryan Hall, 
no longer undefeated in the UFC. Ken Flo obviously goes down to the now 11-0 Ilya Topuria. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on that fight and uh, on Ilya's performance against Ryan? You know, I, I thought Ilya, um, you know, fought a fight that was kind of that best suited him. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, th- there was a little bit of him saying, you know, he wasn't afraid to go to the ground with him, uh, but he went, he went to the ground on his terms when he, when he had the, his spot uh, to land some shots uh, he did, and he did it at the right time. Um, you know, I think uh, a, a few mistakes were made uh, on Ryan Hall's part. Um, and, um, you know, I know that uh, Ryan will be back and, and certainly learn from that. That's what he does best. Um, Tapuria is a, a fantastic fighter, very dangerous guy. And, uh, I thought the execution of, of his game plan was, was quite good. And uh, I think he's a guy that will most likely go very far in his career. Well, everybody was excited to see Ken Flo, our fine cut man, Scott Ream. I know you go way back with him. It's like, Scott, all right, I'll fucking wink at you. Okay. So you stop staring me down, right? See, I'm watching the whole thing. See, picking up on all those little details. <laughs> Scotty Ream just death stare, and I love Scotty right through. Uh, Scotty's the man. It gives him a little subtle wink right there. But uh, well, it was great to see you, and um, that puts a bow on our UFC 264 recap. Thanks to our new sponsor, Canada Dips. Don't forget, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com is your destination if you want links to the merchandise to the video podcast. We are also up in audio only form if you so choose. Uh, got anything planned on FlowTube? Any idea when your next video might be? Uh, for those of us that want to uh, learn and then forget everything that we watch. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, hopefully in the next week or two. But what I'm most excited about, I guess, in, in the next month or so, I, I filmed a, an instructional uh, from basically all the different positions uh, back in November that I'm hoping to release in the next month or two. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Basically, I just try to – kind of have that same format as my YouTube page where I'm teaching conceptually how to approach the game. And I think it's a good, um, both a starting point for people who are just getting into the sport of, of, or trying to learn jujitsu. It's great for intermediate people and, and great for, even for coaches who want to look at the game in a different way and understand um, how it works, not just, you know, here are a bunch of techniques. You can get techniques anywhere, but understanding how grappling works and how you can best, um, you know, format your techniques within, uh, you know, a conceptual framework is, is what I'm trying to do and, and try to break it down as simply as possible for people. So I'm really excited about that coming up uh, in the next couple months. I never thought I would get the itch to roll again. I truly thought I was done. Okay. I'm not trying to be funny, right? <laughs> I saw Pahumpa this weekend and I'm I'm starting to get the itch back a little bit, right? And I'm sure as soon as I resume, it will go away very quickly. But he <laughs> bought me these two dollar mats. I mean, he didn't buy them, right? But yeah, so he's yeah. got two dollar mats for me, right? To do one side of my garage and then the bottom, right? Yes. Um, so I just don't know if I'm ready to like go all in with the fucking mats in the garage. Like in Florida, it's tough with the cars. Like not that I have this super nice car, but you leave a car sure. outside all year round. It just gets torched with the sun. Yeah. Um, but I'm starting to get the itch a little bit, you know, um, can we, I'll send like, you my instructional as soon as it's ready. Can we we'll get like, you, we'll no get you ready, dog. So I don't get like fucking clock joke. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> can we go no key? How about no gi? What do you think, Kempel? I got. <laughs> That's what actually the majority of my stuff is no gi. I have one little bonus instructional that I'm doing, but it's all it actually is all no gi. I prefer no gi myself. I'm a I'm a no gi guy. So I get anxiety just tying the belt. <laughs> So I have was like, no, that's wrong. 
And I'm like, hey, man, like, can we, you just like, can we go in the back and you do it for me? Jesus. <laughs> At least I showed up. You know? Oh, that's great. All right, that's going to do it uh, for today. Thanks to uh, our guests, Longo and Parker. Thanks to our executive producer, Jack of All Trades, Cody Merrow. Uh, we will be back next Monday to preview a fight that I have long been looking forward to. Corey Sandhagen, TJ Dillashaw, Under the Lights, July 24th. Thanks to everybody for all their support of the show, of the broadcast. Uh, means a lot. Gets me right here. Um, with that for Camp Bum, John Adam, thanks for watching. Tell your friends, subscribe. It really helps us. Uh, until next week, uh, don't text and drive. And uh, we can't wait to uh, be back in your life next Monday. Yo, fucking later.